The What Happens in Vegas podcast is hosted by Dr. Stephanie Canistrero, who is a functional medicine practitioner and owner of the Vegas Clinic. Through each episode, Dr. Stephanie will share her wealth of knowledge and insights from being in the functional medicine industry for more than 10 years. Through solo and guest episodes, the What Happens in Vegas podcast will break down the fundamentals of how our bodies function and tangible ways to maintain a healthy mind, body, and soul. She will welcome experts from around the world to discuss gut health, high performance, biohacking, longevity, and so much more. I love using this analogy that we're essentially the super-powered car and we have an accelerator and we have a brake. We need to learn how to be able to push one at a time, not have both being pushed at the same time. Okay, I'm so excited. This has been a long time coming. My friend and fellow vagal nerve enthusiast, Dr. Navaz Habib, thank you for being here. Valedictorian of our <laughs> class at CMCC. We graduated together. Our journeys kind of were parallel and we realigned like I don't know like six or seven years after Cairo college and yeah we just both ended up finding out or falling on the importance of vagus nerve and I want to know how you got into it because I I I know we have similar stories and I just want you to share that to start absolutely it's great to check in with you again we see each other every so often but um it was really funny when my book came out and you started the Vegas clinic at the same time and everything kind of Vegas related started popping up and the, you and I were both kind of very parallel from like yeah. 2006 onwards and it's continued uh, in, in a very fun way. So um, it's exciting to be on here with you. My journey with Vegas nerve really did begin, I think uh, quite a long time ago, just kind of understanding what it was, right? We, in chiropractic school, you and I were there, obviously, and it was the one cranial nerve that kind of did something different than every other nerve, and it wasn't like a spinal nerve. It wasn't a sympathetic nerve. It did something unique to the body, and it was just such a a misunderstood piece to the puzzle of, I guess, overall health that it stuck out to me for a long time. I'm sure very similarly to you as well. It was not until I went through my own health journey that I kind of started putting the pieces together as to the importance of uh, inflammation, controlling inflammation and the role of the vagus nerve in doing so. And that's what really pushed me in the direction of, I should really research this and utilize it with my patients because it's quite effective. Clearly we're able to affect really amazing change. And that led us, like you and I both funny enough, down this path of the importance of really stimulating and improving vagus nerve function. For me, it was my own health journey that really triggered it though. Yeah. What was your health journey? If you don't mind sharing with us. For sure. You remember how I looked and was in chiropractic school. I weighed 250 pounds, high blood pressure, borderline diabetic. This was in my twenties. Um, didn't even know where the gym was at school. Right. Like I, I, wasn't on top of anything. My my health was suffering. I'm learning how to support my patients with their health, and yet I don't know how to do it for myself. That was the biggest challenge that I was kind of going through. When I got out of school and I met my wife and things started to kind of settle down worldwide, I realized that at some point I'm going to want to have kids. And I probably should do something about my health because a lot of what's going on with my health, I'm going to pass on to them. And I didn't want to pass down 
bad habits and challenges that I was dealing with. And so for me, it was, that was the big prompt. And all of these kind of the doctor recommending, hey, you should probably be on medication for this issue or for that issue. Me saying, that's not good enough. Like I'm not, I shouldn't be on medication in my 20s and my early 30s. Like that's crazy to think that it's even a possibility, but it was for me. And my journey led me into functional medicine very similarly to you. It was meeting with Sachin Patel in a very uh, chance location, chance opportunity. And uh, he really prompted this idea of understanding what was actually going on in my body and promoting positive health and controlling the choices that I was making and being much more mindful about what I needed to do. And that was the big prompt for me to start making changes and becoming more consistent with my life. Ended up losing about 75 pounds. Amazing. Got rid of the majority of these diagnoses. Some of them were like exertional asthma, which hasn't really affected me that much, but things that were acquired by my choices, I was able to get rid of. And I've had a bit of an up and down kind of pattern or journey with health as everybody does. The stressors of having kids and running businesses and whatnot play their part, but I've been able to maintain relatively well in terms of being able to stay in a relatively healthy state since then. And so it was that uh, immediate part to that journey or that that launching point that brought me into understanding what whole health was and the importance of the vagus nerve in allowing for that health uh, to truly be created. Mm-hmm. Can you explain to people how the vagus nerve kind of ties into everything that was going on with you? For sure. Vagus nerve has a couple different systems that it kind of runs, and that's really important to fully understand. So it is the parasympathetic branch of the autonomic nervous system. So very simply, the autonomic nervous system being the automatic functions that occur within our body. I don't consciously have to think about beating my heart. I don't consciously have to think about detoxifying through my liver or digesting my food via my gut. So these processes that are automatically happening are being controlled by the autonomic nervous system. The two sides of that are the sympathetic nervous system, which is more to protect you from threats or be able to handle uh, new challenging opportunities. The parasympathetic, which is meant to be the rest, digest, recover piece to the puzzle. I've added recover very importantly. We'll talk about that as well. Mm-hmm. So on the rest and digest side of things, that's the parasympathetic nervous system running it. And for me, I didn't fully understand that my gut was not in great shape, that I wasn't assimilating foods, importantly, that I wasn't detoxifying very well, and that the uh, excessive level of body fat that I had accumulated was actually heavily inflammatory. And that was creating full-on inflammatory challenge in every part of my body. My energy levels were low. My brain fog was pretty significant. I couldn't get through a full day working as a chiropractor without sweating because my body was trying to get rid of toxins and I fully didn't understand why that was happening. But it was very clear that it was just a high level of inflammatory cytokines and inflammatory signals that were being created that were challenging my pancreas, that were challenging my gut, that were challenging my liver. And that is really what the important part of why the vagus nerve wasn't working came up in my situation. I wasn't able to get into that rest, digest, recover state effectively. I was essentially sitting there with my foot on both the accelerator and the brakes, burning out the brakes. And that's one of the most common situations that I hear 
across the board. I love using this analogy that we're essentially the super powered car and we have an accelerator and we have a brake. We need to learn how to be able to push one at a time, not have both being pushed at the same time. And we need to be able to go into sympathetic. It's important Mm -hmm. to be able to go into sympathetic, but not at the same time and pushing the brakes while you're accelerating. It's just going to burn out those brake pads. Mm -hmm. And that's what happens to so many people is the vagus nerve gets burnt out. It literally stops being able to push you into that rest and digest state. And that's such a common occurrence, not just for myself, but it, it has been for so many of my clients. Mm-hmm. Do you go a lot into like the polyvagal theory? Like, is that something? Cause I know it's still just a theory. So, and it makes sense to me in my head, but like, do you have any comments on that or even explain what I'm talking about to people? Yeah, it's really interesting. The polyvagal theory is uh, for those who don't know, Stephen Porges uh, came up with this theory and, wrote a wonderful book on it. And I'll tell you the first time I read it, it the vast majority of it went way over my head. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't put it down. I couldn't understand it to the mm-hmm. depth I needed to. I think there's something to be said for it, no question. I think the it, it's almost that linking point between objective scientific data and what we have yet to fully understand on the mental health side of things. Mm-hmm. And it, it seems to be a really well-developed um, theory on how the two pieces work together on supporting people from going from kind of that fight or flight state, uh, or sorry, excuse me, from the rest digest to the fight or flight, and then into a freeze state, which is where we go into that dorsal vagal side of things. And I see it with some of my patients for sure, but I don't really implement a lot of that work with my clients. I'll mention it. I'll bring it up. I'll I'll Mm -hmm. explain that the theory is there and probably what's happening is what's going on here. But what we're trying to do always is strengthen that ventral vagal piece, really push into that parasympathetic and be able to go comfortably between sympathetic and parasympathetic so that we can function in our day-to-day lives but also be able to take that time off and not be able to let things that happened at work affect us when we're home, right? So yeah. be able to push the accelerator and the brake at separate times. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it made sense to me after I thought about it because I'm like, okay, sometimes you're working with these people and they're like fully functional, but they're like wired, like they're tired and wired. So that was more like, you know, that sympathetic state. And then there was the people who just crashed, right? They're like bedridden. And that was, to me, I started thinking, okay, that's dorsal vagal. That's where I'm, they're in the free state that, right? So it's like you get stuck in different states, so to speak. Totally. Yeah. So yeah, I just wanted to touch on that because I found it interesting. And he does a lot of like sound therapy for it, but like, you know, I talk to my patients about sound therapy, which I'm sure you do. It's a way to activate the vagus nerve, which you wrote a book, Activate the Vagus Nerve, and you're writing this, the follow-up to this now. I just found out. Congratulations. Thank you. I mean, I guess this is a good time to just share some like really quick kind of tips of like, how can you activate your vagus nerve? Like, you know, we, if we think of it like a muscle, we want to, because it gets shut down, right? By all of these like chemicals or inflammation in our body so we can do some things externally to try and help it so what are some of your favorites because there's a ton and you have a whole book on it for sure let's let's talk about a few kind of very simple ones the ones that we should all really be doing foundationally Mm -hmm. top of the top of the list no question is breathing correctly right 
Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's really no question about this. This has been proven time and time again, both in research and practice and traditional Chinese medicine and Ayurvedic medicine. It's the breath truly is that portal into autonomic control and being able to shift your state pretty effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, very commonly, I'll have my patients put a hand on their chest, hand on their belly. I do this at all my presentations as well. And I'll say, take a deep breath. And inevitably, about 50 to 70% of people will breathe with their chest and inhale with their shoulders rising. Inevitably. Like and I that's just not did. a deep breath. <laughs> Even and though I know not, better. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not a deep breath, right? A deep breath is when we get the lower lobes of the lungs involved, when the diaphragm is creating that, that inhale through a vacuum creation and the diaphragm is so important in creating that state how we control our diaphragm is so so important there what's really important here as well and something that's a little bit newer to my knowledge is the time that you spend inhaling versus exhaling and so this is something i'm going to be digging into quite a bit in the next book mm-hmm. so shorter inhales longer exhales are what's necessary to shift towards a parasympathetic state Mm-hmm. the idea of box breathing is great and it does create more of a hold. So this is like a four second, four second, four second, four second, four by four uh, box type mm-hmm. of breath. Whereas there's this really cool biofeedback technique that has been shown to really improve HRV if you do this consistently over time. And that is shorter inhale. So about four second inhale, hold for about a second, six to seven second exhale followed by a one to two second hold if you can. What happens there is the inhale time, we're activating our sympathetic nervous system, right? We're activating that sympathetic branch. We're noticing, and this has been shown on a few research studies, heart rate actually elevates during the inhale ever so slightly. When you exhale, heart rate decreases, and that's the parasympathetics turning on, vagus nerve turning on, and lowering the heart rate. Now, if you do that longer than the inhale, then you're training the parasympathetics to be on more often than the sympathetics. Pretty mm-hmm. simple analogy. That breath uh, up and down creation is actually what triggers heart rate variability as a measure, right? So that's going to create an increase in HRV, which is the direct measure of autonomic function overall, specifically parasympathetic, specifically on the high-frequency side, vagus nerve. And so for those who are using devices, whether it's an aura ring, a whoop band, a biostrap, an Apple watch, whatever it is, if you're measuring your HRV, what's actually being measured is your ability to shift between sympathetic and parasympathetic effectively. And the breath is really the best, no question, foundational tool to be able to shift from a sympathetic to a parasympathetic state with a longer exhale. So really important to do that. And with the diaphragmatic breath being the driver of all of that. Mm-hmm. And the HRV, sometimes on those devices, it's like called coherence, right? Because some, right, or readiness, like, because they have different for different ones. Yeah. yeah, they all have kind of different ways of measuring. They're using either a P550 measurement or RMSSD measurement. It's, uh, we don't need to get into the minutiae there. No, no, no. Understanding no. which kind Just of. Just like some of the people measure. doesn't say like, HRV like oh, mine doesn't yeah. say HRV. And I was like, oh, it's coherence or, you know, yeah. like sometimes it's different measurements um but yeah that's a really important measurement and um i know my hrv when i got i say hijacked by like lime was like so bad like just crushed like i mean 
and I felt terrible. And so usually people can tell, like when you have days where you feel good and you look at your HRV, like it's usually higher than, you know, check it on a hungover day for people that drink, (laughs) which I can't even have a sip of alcohol anymore. But yeah. So, I mean, HRV breathing hugely like important and you can do it anywhere. Um, you know, I kind of tell people too, cause I used to always go like, <sighs> like I'd sigh. It's like yeah. our body's trying to turn it on for us. Right. Exactly. Like, exactly. It's, it's crazy. Okay. So that's a great one. What's another favorite of yours? I like uh, a few very important ones. Since I've become a parent, I've learned to figure out ways to get my kids to chill out a little bit. And so mm-hmm. dealing with tantrums is always fun. Um, a little bit on the breathing side of things I get my kids to visualize that there's a balloon in their belly and I ask them what's their favorite color they get to choose that day sometimes Mm -hmm. it's rainbow sometimes it's purple Mm -hmm. sometimes there's Elsa and Anna on the balloon whatever Mm -hmm. it is that's their visualization and their goal is to inflate that balloon that's in their belly Mm -hmm. slowly and slow it down I have them put a hand on their belly hand on their chest I do the same thing. I'll even, if they don't do it, I'll put my hand on her belly. I have two daughters, put a hand on her belly and say, I want to see my hand go up and down. You have to make my hand go up and down. And it slowly Mm -hmm. gets them back into that chilled out state. Um, So visualization is a great way to implement that with kids for sure. On the uh, kids side of things again, and this is also great for anyone who is having trouble with digestion. Uh, Humming before a meal is quite good. Right. So humming activates very specific branches of the vagus nerve. So the vagus nerve sends branches to the pharyngeal and laryngeal muscles. These are the muscles at the back of the throat, the muscles that innervate the vocal cords or the muscles of the vocal cords. And so humming or activating of those muscles by chanting, um, singing, humming, these are all great ways to get the vocal cords activated. If you can elevate and uh, go up and down with your pitch, that's even better because it's helping to create some uh, control within the vocal cords, that's really important to do. So humming, chanting are are wonderful. Singing is great. Sing in the shower, sing in the car, whatever works Mm -hmm. for you. I really also like uh, gargling. Gargling is great for digestion. Mm -hmm. So taking a sip of water, holding it to the back of the throat, gargling as hard as you physically can, Mm -hmm. really important to do it hard. You'll know it's working when you start to tear from your eyes. It's really great little side note that that is a great way to know if you've activated the brainstem enough, you've got Mm -hmm. enough electrical activity going on that it's going to create the uh, effect both in the four vagal uh, nuclei, Mm -hmm. but also in the nuclei that are required for lacrimation or for tearing. Mm -hmm. So we're just getting a really great uh, activation there. So gargling, a simple way to do this, keep a glass by your sink. And when you brush in the morning, brush in the evening, do a few sips of each hold the gargle as hard as you can uh, for as long as you can. Pretty mm-hmm. simple way to do it. And if you can extend it as you go, you get better mm-hmm. at it. And then yeah. one more fun one that I really love is cold showers Yeah. or cold, cold water immersion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause it helps us release our acetylcholine, right? That's exactly right. And you were talking about the voice and like the, the, the humming and all of that. Like one of the ways you can, assess someone about their vagus nerve is like their hoarseness of their voice I I think there's some like machines that they actually like listen to the voice and like kind of rate your heart rate variability or like sympathetic versus parasympathetic based on your changes in your voice so it's really you know everything's so connected and we know that about the body like as 
chiropractors that then go into functional medicine that then have our own health kind of experiences ourselves. I mean, we really start to see like how intricate it is. And then part of that intricacy is the vagus nerve because it's, it's everywhere, right? Like it's the wandering nerve, like, yeah. Those are amazing. So another thing I know that you like, and I actually have this little stimulator for the vagus nerve and I haven't used mine yet because I was telling you I had some health scares and I'm scared of electricity right now because I had a wireless heart monitor on me and I, my heart went out of control. So like as my body heals and I get rid of the toxins and I'm less electric, I'm going to definitely try it, but I've tried it on some of my colleagues and such, but I like to use it on myself before I use it on other people. So I would love for you to tell us about what you've seen, what, what the gamma core is, what you've seen by using it like some great stories and then just whatever you kind of want to let us know about that. Yeah, I was intrigued when I was writing the book uh, very briefly into uh, electrical stimulation of the vagus nerve. And this is something that's been around for a little while now, uh, initially based on kind of traditional Chinese medicine, acupuncture uh, for particular points. And so there is a branch of the vagus nerve that goes to the ear, the auricular branch. Mm -hmm. Um, And it kind of hits the tragus of the ear and a few Mm -hmm. other areas. And electrical stimulation was kind of something that was easily accessible Mm -hmm. uh, and initially tested for a few different types of conditions. And so initially it was started on the tragus. Let's try doing some electrical stim there. And they had some really great outcomes. Um, And then it was implanted on vagus nerves. So this is an actual like surgery. They put Mm -hmm. in an implanted device on the cervical branch or the cervical trunk and that was really effective for epilepsy. Really, really wonderful for those who were dealing with seizures and epileptic um, challenges. And so great, but why not try it externally on the neck as well? When we go to find our pulse, we've essentially found our vagus nerve because it's literally beside the carotid, uh, the common carotid artery, internal carotid artery and jugular vein Mm -hmm. uh, inside the carotid sheet. So literally, if you just go behind or right in front of your SCM muscle, on your neck, your sternocleidomastoid, go to find your pulse inside your neck, and you've essentially found within a, a few millimeters your vagus nerve. Mm-hmm. And that's equal on both sides. There's two vagus nerves for those who didn't fully get it. Mm-hmm. The vagus nerve is two vagus nerves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it <laughs> is confusing. <laughs> so you can potentially electrically stimulate there. And what we found through some of the research that's been done is through fMRI study, very little difference is present between a non-invasive cervical, invasive cervical, and non-invasive auricular. So stimulating electrically on the ear, on the tragus specifically, stimulating invasively by going in and putting a device on the vagus nerve through the neck or non-invasively on the neck, all have very similar activations via fMRI on the brainstem. So you're getting a very similar electrical stimulation occurring and promoting really positive health. The uh, gamma core device that you mentioned is a uh, cervical branch, cervical trunk, non-invasive device. It's literally a handheld device that you can put in your pocket. I literally did when I was traveling. I do every time. Mm -hmm. And it's great for um, specifically for people that are kind of hitting a health plateau Mm -hmm. or they're unable to get through kind of an inflammatory plateau in their health journey. Mm-hmm. That's who I found it to be really, really effective with. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful for helping with sleep. It's mm-hmm. wonderful for helping with anxiety. 
-hmm. It's uh, clinically proven, FDA cleared, and Health Canada cleared for migraines, cluster headaches, hemicrania continua. It's been used effectively in in asthma mm -hmm. for breathing conditions. It did have an EUA for COVID breathing issues as well. Right. It's currently being tested on long COVID, on uh, chronic fatigue syndrome, ME. It's being tested on, uh, it's been the, the same kind of theoretical application is present for treatment-resistant depression, mm -hmm. anxiety, um, and just overall inflammatory control. Because one of the other systems that is controlled via the vagus nerve is that cholinergic anti-inflammatory pathway. Mm -hmm. And that pathway is so important to maintaining the state of our uh, immune cells that are present in every single one of our organs. Mm -hmm. These organs aren't just there as protective mechanisms against viruses and bacteria and pathogens that can get in and hurt us, but rather they are important in maintaining optimal fu uh, function and structure within each of these particular organs. So the Kupfer cells in the liver or the alveolar macrophages in the lungs, the vascular macrophages in the blood vessels, all of these are important macrophage or innate immune cells that are present that get direct signaling either from the vagus nerve directly or via the spleen, which is signaled via the vagus nerve as well. So we have this very important structure and very important function of all of these organs within our uh, cells within each of these organs that gets a signal from the vagus nerve. And so controlling inflammation and shifting the state of those cells from an inflammatory M1 style macrophage state into mm -hmm. an mm -hmm. anti-inflammatory state, that happens when the vagus nerve is active, mm -hmm. when the acetylcholine is being sent out. Mm -hmm. And on the topic of acetylcholine, I'd love to kind of dig into this a little bit, but nutritionally, dietarily, 90% of people are actually deficient in choline, which is necessary for the production of acetylcholine. So diet plays a huge role in ensuring that you have the raw materials available for vagus nerve to be able to do its job. Yeah, that's amazing. And I mean, you kind of just spoke to something that like, can if you if people really think about it, like when you talk about inflammation, you're talking about the immune system, right? Like, and the imbalance that happens in it is really, I think the long COVID problem, it's just 100%. this imbalance, right? That gets tipped over and, and we're, we're always meant to be like in homeostasis, just like we have to balance between sympathetic and parasympathetic and, you know, dorsal and ventral and all these things when it's when we lose balance. And I think that that external kind of that help externally sometimes with that machine just helps us push us in the other direction. Right. That's exactly so, right. Yeah. And, and what I learned like through my experiences this year and most people listening, cause I, I started off this podcast telling my story and controlling my symptoms through like vagal nerve tapping, or, I mean, now I'm going to start to use that stim, but all of these things I could start to control. Like my, I could make my histamine go back down. Like, you know what I mean? So I can, I mean, the cold was, was so helpful, but, and we start to control those symptoms like quick when they start, then we start to give the signal that the body's safe and it starts to shift the immune system. And then we start to get rid of these pathogens that are still there. And we know long COVID, like it's really just COVID or spike protein from the vaccine getting stuck, right? Like there, your body's not clearing it and it turns on all these other pathogens that we all have in our body, yeah. right. That, can, that get turned on. And sometimes 
but sometimes if it goes out of control, they get really turned on and we need to treat each of these pathogens and like diet isn't alone, isn't enough. And vagal nerve stim alone, isn't enough. And like trauma work. And like, I see a lot of people they're getting labeled with vagal nerve dysfunction. And I think like, you know, the vagus nerve became like this key word. And a lot of, you know, doctors are just telling people, oh, you have vagal nerve dysfunction when they have long COVID, but you don't have vagal nerve. Your, your vagal nerve is dysfunctional because it's something's not being able to fight off completely. Like the body needs help, right? Like, so I think it's like a multifaceted approach that we need for, for these people, which that's what we try and accomplish for our patients. Like, and that's what I did for myself and you did for yourself. Right. So I think it's just a really important tool and it's really, yeah, just what I think is if you nip your symptoms in the butt, you'll start to calm down what's going on in your body. So don't let your histamine go out of control because then it's a whole plethora of problems. So just like finding all these different tools. And these are some of them that we're trying to talk about, but there's a whole like antimicrobial side that we do take a load off that way. We support the liver or we support drainage. Like we're doing all of these things just to get the junk out of the body. So the body doesn't think it's in fight or flight from being attacked on the inside, essentially. Yeah, exactly. The, the driver to push into that fight or flight state is mm -hmm. stress, period. And we we often kind of plump stress into an, an almost an emotional yeah. only challenge. But I talk about stress in mm -hmm. four different buckets. There's mm -hmm. emotional stress, which is the stuff that we generally deal with day to day, financial yeah. relationships, blah, 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 the stupid person mm -hmm. who cut me off on the road. Mm -hmm. That's emotional stress. But we also have psychological stress, which is the childhood traumas and challenges that we've experienced in the past that have blurred the mm -hmm. world for us, the, the lenses through which we see the world, right? We have biochemical stress, which you alluded to a lot of the toxins that are present around us. It's crazy, the amount of uh, hormones and plastics and uh, gases and exhaust fumes and all the crap that we're absorbing within our bodies. Those are affecting us. Those are stressors in a biochemical form. Uh, amalgam fillings right like little tiny things the cleaners mm -hmm. that you use in your house and then physical stress right and you you work with a bunch of athletes you see concussions and tbis mm -hmm. and whiplash and stuff like that all the time and those are physical stressors that have actually damaged or physically created stress within the body these are all different avenues that push us into that fight or flight state those are all the things that are pushing the accelerator constantly and for some people, it's almost like there's a brick that's been placed mm -hmm. on the accelerator and it's just on go all the time. And they've tried to push the brakes as much as they possibly can, but that mm -hmm. brick is friggin' heavy. We need to do the work of putting the brake pads back on. That's where the electrical stimulation mm -hmm. can come in and create mm -hmm. new brake pads, mm -hmm. essentially, and help you to take that time to then pull that brick off mm -hmm. the accelerator. Really help you shift to be able to go back and forth between sympathetic mm -hmm. and parasympathetic. Um, and this something I've been seeing the last three years more than anything is this like lymphatic stagnation to like an extent that I've never seen. Right, and when your lymph blocks up, yeah. like what's right there? Yeah, yeah. 100%. So like that's another thing. And again, through it was so obvious through my own story. Like I had literally, it looked like I had a boob job how much lymphatic stagnation was all in my chest and I had lots of heart symptoms. Right. And so, you know, similar to, I think if I used like the gamma core here, like I was just teasing everything. Okay. So I'm teasing, 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 like all at my lymphatic ducts, like people can't see right now, but it's right under your collarbone. Um, 
And all of a sudden I started getting this like pow, 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 like heart palpitation, heart palpitation, heart palpitation, heart palpitation. As I think I opened up the duct and then everything went back to normal in my chest and my arms didn't feel swollen. And then I started seeing it like in people that are having these symptoms, there's this stagnation and it's from toxic load higher than we can clear out. Right. And then it, it changes the way the fluids are moving through our body. And I think vagus nerve has obviously, you know, blood clotting factors, all of this thing, like it's, it's in charge of so many things. So, you know, yeah. I, I just like, it was kind of like an aha moment for me. Like there's that physical blockages too, right? Like that I, I've never seen before. Like I've personally never experienced, but now seeing it on so many people. So I don't know if you're seeing that too, or hearing their symptoms and you're like, wow, congestion, congestion. One of the most common symptoms that I hear when it comes to COVID long COVID is that cognitive decline, that brain fogginess, that inability to come up with the right yeah. words. You even mentioned that you're dealing with still. Um, that is, that is the glymphatic yeah. system. That's the lymphatic system mm -hmm. within the brain that is not functional. And if we think back to what drives the lymphatics to actually work effectively, it's muscular function. It's actual movement that drives uh, lymphatic drainage mm -hmm. to occur. And what happened three years ago, not only did COVID kind of hit, but mm -hmm. we had the lockdowns and the lockdowns shut down gyms and it decreased the physical activity that people were doing for such a long period of time that it literally led to an epidemic mm -hmm. of stagnation. We were sitting at our desks at home. We weren't even leaving the house for weeks and months on end. It was literally, we were sitting stagnation physically was occurring and that was causing stagnation internally within our bodies. Lymphatics were becoming literally packed up with fluid and we were just not moving effectively. Luckily, some people were able to get out and get on bikes and get outdoors and go for runs, but we didn't have access to a lot of the equipment that mm -hmm. we're normally used to. This is why Peloton stock went up through the insane. roof. And, right? so, but people craved movement and movement is life. And if you don't move, you're not moving mm -hmm. that stagnation mm -hmm. out of your body and you're not moving stagnation mm -hmm. in your life. So that's why so many people are challenged with this. And this is why exercise is so good when you're capable mm -hmm. of doing it to help maintain and optimize your overall function. Muscle is is really overlooked here. And I think it's so important to point yeah, to. Yeah, I agree. Bit. And as someone who I always worked out, but then I wasn't able to when I got sick. And, you know, I remember being like, oh, fine, I'll go to the gym, like being annoyed. And now I'm like, all I want to do is go to the gym and be able to move. And I'm starting to be able to handle it. But like for those people that, you know, are can't move right now or can't do a lot of exercise, like you just reach your threshold you do like something gentle like I started with like at home Pilates you know and like just like started pumping all with my own hands like anything I could handle and then you know now it's slowly building up and it's like the best feeling to be able to move again like so one more thing I want to mention and see if you have dove into this at all which I think is responsible for some of the stagnation as well is this when they locked down for COVID they also rolled out 5g which is a new wave of of non-ionizing radiation that is you know to make our phones faster and ai and all of these cool things but you know what people some people don't realize because like you can't see feel like very directly some of these like electric fields right but like when we look at it this was never tested on humans right and if you look into like 
the mechanism that happens to the cells from these few people that, cause I got really interested. Cause I was telling you before we got on, I was like static, like, and I was in when my, all my symptoms turned on, I was in Las Vegas, which has like very concentrated amounts. Right. <laughs> and, Just a bit. and so I started diving into like literature on it and it's affecting our voltage gated calcium channels. And every time I did my blood work, my calcium was through the roof and now calcium is super excitatory. Right. And it ruins your heart rate variability. Think of beta blockers. Beta blockers are to slow it. Like, so I felt, and I got all this anxiety too. And then I start researching, researching, and all these lists of symptoms from it are very similar to what I was having. So I feel like I'm EMF sensitive. Like, have you seen that with more and more people? Like, have you considered it? Yeah, it's certainly one of the avenues of stress that I didn't talk about, but it it is one of those challenges that is present. There's no question, right? The shift to 5G happening concurrently with all of the other stuff that we were dealing with worldwide really did shift uh, people's health in in that negative direction. Just one more layer, one more added challenge to push on top of that sympathetic uh, nervous system and and push you in that direction where you're stuck in fight or flight or worse Mm -hmm. off freeze, right? And then side note to that, so I felt terrible. And then I got to a place where I could travel which is a lot of radiation when you're traveling. But then once I got on the beach, like I felt like I healed 10 times faster. So what is that doing to our vagus nerve when we're there on the beach? We know that um, the interaction between our uh, nicotinic acetylcholine receptors that are present on all of our cells. And funny enough, we actually have a nicotinic acetylcholine receptor on the surface of mitochondria as well to help promote mitochondrial function. So energy that is linked very heavily to melatonin and sunlight produces serotonin and it allows you to produce melatonin from that serotonin and being literally grounded on sand on the beach on the on the earth that ionizing radiation doesn't hit us nearly as much right and so we're able to detoxify from all of these reactive oxygen species that we're building within our body simply by being present with the planet, with the earth and Mm -hmm. being human again, not being stuck in our homes where we're Mm -hmm. not getting our sunlight and uh, all Mm -hmm. these artificial lights and all these things that we have around us, we're able to actually be present and promote that positive biochemistry. So there's no question about it. When you're present with the earth, with the planet, just going for a hike, right? Like the difference you feel breathing Mm -hmm. clean oxygen versus being stuck in your indoor air quality mm-hmm. crappy home, it, it's going to play very different roles. So I'm a big f- proponent of getting outdoors, uh, getting mm-hmm. grounded, breathing fresh air, getting that important morning and evening sunlight, watching that sun come up and down, creating a positive mm-hmm. circadian rhythm, cooling at night, getting yourself into that melatonin activated state and promoting it mm-hmm. all with a good diet. It really helps to push us into that parasympathetic state when we do it calmly. Yeah, melatonin is a lifesaver too like that yeah 100%. amazing okay so tell us a little bit about your book and then and then are we allowed to talk about your other book we can mention <laughs> a few things <laughs> so the book is called activate your vagus nerve and i kind of go into the things that are causing vagus nerve dysfunction in the first place what do we know uh causes the vagus nerve to become dysfunctional P.S. Just side note, you mentioned that doctors are mentioning you have vagal nerve dysfunction as a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. That's terrible. What a terrible diagnosis. Like that's just a, a scapegoat diagnosis yeah. like IBS oh. or fibromyalgia. 
Hmm. It's not a real thing. It, what it is, is a pathway to creating other mm -hmm. disease and dysfunction. And we want to optimize that pathway towards health. And that's what vagus nerve optimization truly is. And so what I talked about is all of the reasons why the stressors, the different challenges that cause it to break down, how to know if your vagus nerve is working or not, understanding kind of the mechanisms of vagus nerve optimal function, and then what are the little exercises? We went through a few of them early on in our chat today, but what are the exercises? What are the tools? What are the practices that we know that we can use mm -hmm. to optimize it? And in the few years since I've written the book, it's come to light that there's a ton more out there that I didn't talk about. And so that's what book number two is going to be focused on. Things like biofeedback training, things like uh, hot, cold interaction, and essentially biohacking the vagus nerve, right? Almost like next step. How do we ensure that we're able to get our body into that optimally recoverable state and be able to stay in homeostasis regardless of what stressor pops up? And that's what the book number two mm -hmm. is going to be kind of. You talked about supplements about. and everything too, not like exercises, supplements. It just goes into a whole bunch of different things. And I'm sure there's even now new supplements since you wrote that book that people have formulated specifically for yes. it because everyone's starting to see how important it really is, right? That's exactly um, right. Okay, what's your favorite supplement for, for the vagus nerve? If you had to choose one, because I know there's lots and it can be like a single nutrient uh, or it can be like an already made supplement. I'm all about creating positive mitochondrial yeah, function that. and that'll allow... Uh, vagus nerve mm -hmm. to do its job right and so i'm all about providing kind of the b vitamins the carnitine the the tools that are required for vagus or for mitochondrial mm -hmm. function to be optimal because that is the root of all energy of yeah. all cellular function to be able to do what it needs to do if your mitochondrial are dysfunctional because you don't have the raw materials to allow for that to work you're never yeah. going to be able to take those positive steps. So anything that really promotes positive mitochondrial function for me yeah. is where I would put like, my money for sure. Literally everything comes down to the mitochondria, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, yes. And now your second book is, do you know, have a loose idea when it'll be ready or no? Yeah, it should be out February 24. Amazing. That's very exciting. Okay. And where can people find you? You can check me out on Instagram, uh, Dr. Navaz Habib. You can go to healthupgraded.com or check out the book, Activate Your Vegas. Yeah, and you also have podcasts. I do. It's called the Health Upgrade Podcast. And we talk uh, everything related to vagus nerve and vagus nerve optimization and upgrading overall health. Amazing. Thank you so, so much. I'm so glad we were able to do this. I'm very excited to release this podcast with you. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the What Happens in Vegas podcast. To help support the show, please leave us a rating and review. Also, head to VegasClinic.com. That's V-A-G-U-S Clinic.com to check out free resources, how to work with us, and more.